Shit. Although we don't know Riaz is, so maybe you should have cried because she might have been like eaten by some sort of gigantic monster. I don't know. I know. Where is she? She is hiding, maybe? Maybe she's oh. hiding somewhere in one of her houses and we have to find her. Or she could be locked up in a debit box, which I'll cover later on, which is I mean, what our topic is about. I don't know much about debit boxes, but I mean, I, I believe she could be locked in one. Maybe I'm going to talk should... about Ouija boards, so if yeah. the monster has eaten her, we could try and contact her using the Ouija boards. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Why don't we do a Ouija board session and see if Ooh. we can contact her disembodied spirit? Ah. Uh, because like, as we were saying earlier, I was making some lovely baked potatoes and I took them out early, but I forgot to turn off the timer. So that's me done that now. We're um, considering making a spin-off podcast about baked potatoes. So if anyone's into that, let us know. Baked potatoes Maybe there's like demon baked potatoes and there's some sort of myth about the potato. I say potatoes and a potato. I was reading a story to one of my classes today about um, a potato. Where? (laughs) The potato. So we can do that on our spin-off podcast. We're sorted. We've got loads of content for it. (laughs) So this is um, episode one of season three and Mark, you're going to just kick it off with talking about the old Ouija board. Oh, the spirit the board or the witch's board or it's got many names hasn't it it does so yeah the ouija board ouija board ouija board and the ouija board um yeah so i did a bit of research into it there's quite a lot of debate on like who made the first one what they made it for when it was made where it was originally from there's not really any like clear answers so I've kind of got what I think the narrative is, and I'm just going to go with that because there seems to be quite a lot of conflicting information. So I just went with the one that seemed to have the most to back it up. So originally, the first spirit boards were used in, or they weren't called Ouija boards at that point in time. So the first spirit boards, um, people think, were used in China as far back as 1100, if not possibly further back than that. Up until they were banned in China in 1644. Because Who banned it? The emperor? The emperor banned it, yeah. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's there's a whole history slash ongoing thing in China. People just randomly banning stuff for no reason. Like I to- mean, China banned, they've banned Winnie the Pooh because, and they've literally banned Winnie the Pooh from their Disney resort because people were saying that Winnie the Pooh looked like the Chinese president. Which is true. So... <laughs> 
I mean, barring them from the Disney Resort doesn't make it less true. Do you think maybe um, the Chinese emperor looked like a Ouija board and that's why he banned them? He was just a big rectangular gentleman. So, yeah, they think that's roughly when they started. They kind of took off in the West, in America, we think, post-Civil War. So there was obviously a huge growth in spiritualism and in the spiritualist movement in America after the um, Civil War. And that obviously kind of tied into the idea of, again, they were called spirit boards at that point in time, but they started to get popular. One of the people that they think maybe started it was a lady called Helen Peters. Uh, So she was a medium and she was a really popular medium um, in the sort of late 1800s. And in 1900, she was conducting a seance using a spirit board and she said basically she was planning to to sell them on to people so that people could use them in their home and apparently the rumor is that she was so she was in the boarding house that she stayed in in baltimore and i think she ran her like sort of little spiritualist shop and did sort of uh, tea readings and things like that out of there and she had asked the board what it wanted to be called and it spelled out o-u-i-j-a so that's where the name came from and possibly where the confusion in pronunciation came from because obviously the ghost wasn't actually talking to her so i don't know how the ghost wanted it to be pronounced i thought it was maybe made up by hasbro was it hasbro that, that took it that brought it out as a actual game for kids um yes and no so if this makes well it doesn't until i explain it. i was going to say that if this makes sense only if you can see it in the future if you're using your ouija boards if Helen is helping you. So, no, I think there is some people that say Hasbro started it, but I think that's more of a misconception, although they did end up owning the patent for it. So what happened was Helen, I'm calling her by her first name because we're friends, obviously. Um, Helen patented the board along with her sister's husband, who was called Elijah Bond, in 1901, so nearly a year after she'd asked the ghost what she should call the board. Mm-hmm. Um and then after they patented it, uh, they basically sort of sold it in a, in a Hasbro style. So they sold it as basically like a fun game to have at parties. So that was the way they advertised it was like if you are like basically if you're a sort of middle class housewife and you're not working and you're at home, then why don't you have your middle class housewife friends round and you can contact the like spirit world and ask them questions rather than having to go all the way to Helen Peter's office and get your like palm read or get your she's outsourcing her work to the Ouija board people who might not know what they're doing that's a bit dodgy well the other interesting thing is when it was used in China and when it was being used at this point in time nobody it didn't have a reputation then for being dangerous um at all that didn't come until much later so people thought it was like a harmless activity they didn't and I'll kind of look back around to this as well because I quite enjoyed this bit of my research and it it gave me a bit of an idea that I want to come back to, but they didn't think that you were contacting evil spirits or demons. Again, that came much later. So back in like ancient times in China and then in the sort of early 1900s when it started to be sold, again, kind of pitched at bored housewives. The idea was like, basically who you contact is just the nearest spirit to you at that point in time. So now with this, well, either of the sort of dual ideas we've got now, either the idea like, oh, if you've lost a loved one, you can try and contact them using the Ouija board or like don't use the Ouija board because you might contact a demon. Helen would have said no to both those things. Like she didn't think that you could contact demons. She didn't think that you would 
necessarily contact evil spirits. She just thought it contacted the spirit nearest to you. So it was a bit like if you moved to a new town, leaned out your flat window and just shouted at the first person walking by like, Hi, are you in a good mood today? And they were like, yes, it's the same as that. But with um, letters and the word yes and no spread out on a board. So you just yeah. you don't know who you're getting until you get them. Well, that's true. And like you said, like if you're if you're shout, depends on where you live and what your neighbourhood's like. You could be speaking to a nice friendly person who what you interpreted would say, "All right," immediately responded, "Oh, I'm fine, pal, thanks." But then you might get some guy that's like, "The fuck you talking to?" and getting a bit aggro. Same with the ghosts; they might not appreciate it, or they might oh. come through and say, like, get angry and aggressive and, and mess with you. Or you might just get your friendly neighbourhood Casper the ghost type. I think that she, yeah, I think she would have said that, well, actually, I've got a story that shows that she would, in fact, have said that you could have contacted an evil spirit. But, yeah, I think it's very much what you're saying. Like, most of the time you'd have contacted a, just an all right spirit in the same way that if you went out and spoke to a random person, they'd probably be all right. Sometimes they might have been a really nice <laughs> Sometimes they might have been an arse. Sorry, Mark, I'm just laughing because I'm just imagining someone doing the Ouija board and you're like, is there anyone there? And then you get the word, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's perfectly plausible. Right, <laughs> so okay. she, basically she stopped using Ouija boards altogether. She advised other people to stop using them eventually and withdrew entirely oh. from the company. Um, she just like stopped basically working for her own company. And the reason she said she did this is because money had gone missing from the company's accounts. So she decided that the best way to find out who it was, was basically to go to where the money would have been, or the access to the money would have been stored, and do her own Ouija boards. Because she thought, well then, if there's a spirit about that like maybe lives there, they would be able to advise her on what had happened. So she contacted a spirit, and it told her that one of her nephews who was the son of her sister and bond that helped her set up the company they said that it was her nephew that was basically embezzling money from her company and uh, helen publicly stated that this was lies and that the spirit she'd spoken to was a liar and for what? that she <laughs> so maybe she just didn't like a grass i mean grass <laughs> I don't understand. I genuinely think that it was her nephew and that the spirit was telling the truth. But so she said it was lies. Her nephew would never have done that. Oh, cool. And then basically said like nobody should use it because spirits don't have to be honest. So you could just be using it to collect lies and nobody to use it anymore. Through mm. from the company, which meant that Bond was then the main owner of it. So he was the only owner of it. Um, but shortly after she withdrew from the company, he died. Now, the way he died is completely mental. Ooh. So Bond fell out of his office window. <laughs> but he didn't die from falling out of the office window. However, he was severely injured and he fractured several ribs. So when the paramedics arrived, they checked him over and they realised that he obviously had to go to hospital immediately and they didn't want to move him too much, but he was fine. And they said to his family, like, don't worry, he'll be okay. But then when they were transporting him in the ambulance, this sounds like it's sort of like National Lampoons or something. When they were transporting him in the ambulance, the ambulance was involved in a car accident and it basically had to like swerve to not be in the car accident, sort of mounted the pavement and the force of the bump caused him to shake 
which caused his fractured bone to move round and puncture his heart, and he died from a bone being shoved through his heart. Fuck's sake. Which, <laughs> from what I gather, doesn't really seem to have anything to do with the Ouija board, but is weird. I want to know how he fell out his office window. What was he doing? I don't actually know that any information I could find just started with one day he fell out of his office window. So I, I imagine his office window wasn't really that high up because if he fell from a great height then he would be dead unless if it was the spirit that was getting revenge on him maybe because uh, his wife didn't believe him or believe his wife didn't believe it. So we thought, right, I'm going to kill her husband because <laughs> he's embezzling the funds. Or am I just imagining that too far? I don't know. I mean, with the whole bone going through, it's just weird. Like, it's such a, oops, he almost died. Oops, he almost died. Oops, he's dead. In the space of 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, Men- but like, they've been trying so hard to kill him off, but keep failing, like, some sort of stupid, like you said, lamping. Or is it that they were just, like, playing with him like a cat would? Until he died eventually. No, I quite like the idea of, like, a, a prankster ghost, but just that doesn't understand how severe it is to kill someone because it's already dead. So it's just like we're lols, I pushed him out the window. <laughs> then logically he would then be a spirit and he would be like around that ghost that kills that spirit that killed him because you said it's local. And then like uh what's her face? Mary. Like yeah. Helen. Who's Mary? <laughs> Helen. <Who's> Mary? <laughs> Helen could have contacted him, but because yeah. she used the Ouija board again, I guess she didn't. So I was going to say, we'll never know. She'll never know. We could go to where he died and check, but she has warned us not to. So after his weird, insane death, the whole company then passed to his son, who was the one that the ghost had told Helen. I feel like I'm in a weird soap opera now. Is um, the one that the ghost had told Helen was embezzling money. So he then owned the entire company, which uh, he sold in 1966 to Parker Brothers, who were a game manufacturer. And then later... Yeah, because it was Parker that, that originally owned Monopoly. See when yeah, I said Monopoly, Hasbro, yeah. it eventually took over. Yeah. So Parker then owned the right to the Ouija board. Now, I'm hoping you know this date because I didn't write it down. When did The Exorcist come out? It was 1979. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was 1979. Maybe, I think it was about 10 years later. So Hasbro must have bought over Parker Brothers in 1977. They owned the rights to the Ouija board, which they were still selling as a fun party game. And then it was only after the Ouija board was featured in a couple of films that came out in the late 70s, but particularly because it was featured in The Exorcist. Captain Howdy. Yeah, people then started to believe that it was specifically for, like, contacting evil spirits. Yeah, and then that's what kind of kicked off the satanic panic thing as well. Yeah, so really, maybe that ghost that threw Mr. Bond, what was his first name? Elijah, good name. So maybe, like, the ghost who threw Elijah out of the window. Elijah, yeah. Part of a great plan to start the satanic panic. So, gosh, what did I done? What did I done? (laughs) (laughs) Oops. <laughs> I feel like um, not understanding prank schools should be like a new series. <laughs> yeah, like, oh no, I said fire to 19 nuns. Tee me again. What am I like? 
Yeah. And that's actually fucked up, but what if it was the same ghost that sort of managed to set off 9-11 by accident? <laughs> and the Titanic and with all these disasters. <laughs> and that stupid ghost that doesn't and the ghost just, like, got in itself. Yeah. I feel that should be canon, so the entire history of the Ouija board is it was specifically created by Prank Ghost. Yeah. It is pranks to others. <laughs> it's responsible for Brexit, for Donald Trump <laughs> becoming president, what that would be a laugh. The birth of Boris Johnson, it convinced his mum to get knocked up. Oh. <laughs> so I tried to find like some interesting famous stories about the use of the Ouija board so I mean some of my favorite sort of celebrity ones uh, I've got a couple so I'm sure you know that one but Alice Cooper claims that he got his name from using a Ouija board uh, he contacted, so he contacted a spirit through the Ouija board and asked him about his past lives and the spirit told him that he was once a witch who was executed for witchcraft and that her name was Alice Cooper and that's why he changed his name to Alice Cooper. It does sound bullshit, but I like Maybe it, it was Brad Ghost again. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe Brad Ghost knew that like in a previous life he was, I don't know, King Louis. But instead of telling him that, was like, you were a witch lady called Alice Cooper. Ha <laughs> ha, Brad Ghost. But either way, Alice Cooper's an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that brings me on to my next one. So I don't know if you know this one. I didn't know this one until I started researching it. This is mental. So the guy who started AA... So the guy that started AA, there was always this rumour that he had started, that basically like his co-founder was a ghost and before he died he admitted that that was in fact true and that he'd come up with the 10 step programme working with the ghost of a monk who had also had an alcohol problem when he was alive and that the way he contacted the monk was through the Ouija board. So he said apparently he used the Ouija board in his house where he was drunk. The monk started communicating with him and the monk helped him to get sober. So then he and the monk agreed that they were going to come up with an organisation to help others get sober and, yeah, invented the AA and came up with the 10-step program. Oh, God, that's fantastic. And it's one of my favourite things I've ever read. Yeah. Did the monk, like, happen to live at Buckfast Abbey? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm sure he frequented it if he didn't live at it. Although, <laughs> obviously, the monk is sober now. <laughs> for several hundred years. So, well done, monk. Oh, Bravo. Ironically, he is now a spirit, which is what he was using to get pissed on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that's like, that's crazy. I wonder. I know. Any, I, I bet nobody knows, like, hardly anyone knows that, that actually go to the AA. If I went to an AA meeting and someone told me that, I would think, you must be pissed. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not listening to this shit and then yeah. leave. <laughs> I'd like to go to an AA meeting and just sort of shout that from the back, but yeah, people would just assume you were mangled if you were like, this was written by a ghost monk. Like, <laughs> right. I don't think it was. Like, no, it genuinely was written by, well, sorry, co-written by a ghost monk. And then the other one that I quite liked was, I don't know if you'll, I, I mean, I'd never heard of this author, but it just made me laugh. So there's an author called Emily Grant Hutchins who yeah. said that she was basically writing the like posthumous works of Mark Twain. So she said that she'd managed to contact Mark Twain through the Ouija board and he was telling her what to write. But um, critics said that her books were shit 
So <laughs> I really believe that Mark Twain actually was guiding her, but she's insisted that her shitty books that she was writing were actually her books were Mark Twain's books because she again. Again, it could be the prank ghost. Oh, it didn't occur to me. It is. And then as a result, she's writing shite books. Do you think the, I mean, the AA monk can't be prank ghost because it seems to be doing something that actually helps people, so... Yeah, well, it does sound like a prank, doesn't it? I, I mean, would say that, well, from what I've concluded from all oh, you've told me about the Ouija board, is that primarily it's um, a tool for pranks? I mean, that's, yeah. It's for board housewives to do pranks on other board housewives and for prank <laughs> ghosts to just do his pranks as well. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it makes sense. Like, if you're if you're a ghost and you're kind of bored and you're just hanging about, you know, the local area or whatever you're stuck in, and a bunch of housewives all crowd around the board to try and contact you, you'd probably want to mess with them as well. I would. I would probably want to come through and take the piss. Maybe the A one's just like a prank that's gone wrong. Like, when it realised how much it helped the guy and that he was sober, it was like, oh, shit, I'm in a bit deep now. Like, I'm going to with this. I can't be like, I'm not actually a drunk monk, I was just kidding you on. So obviously there's your kind of like scarier Ouija board stories as well. Now the no- what I've written next to my note here myself while I was taking notes is blah. Because it's very much how I feel about them. Like, okay. I'm, I'm not sold. Again, I'm, I'm fine with prank ghosts. I'm fine with the drunk monk. I'm not really sold on the whole scary thing. Like all the stories I could find, they all followed a similar narrative. It was like, ooh, and then... Like, one of the examples I put down, but it kept repeating itself, was, like, there was one, and it was, I don't know, a bunch of girls when they were 16, but it was a woman telling it when she was older, and they'd been contacted, and it said really threatening things, so they closed it, and they burned it, and then when they looked out the window, there was a, a shadowy man outside, and there was loads of other ones where it was kind of the same thing, where it's, like, yeah, someone walked by in the shadows, but obviously, if you take, like, the creepy telling out of that, it's basically just... We did a Ouija board. We didn't like it. Also, there was a person outside. I heard someone, I used to listen, well, shout out to another podcast. It's called Jim Harrell's Campfire. And it's basically this guy who's from Ohio, I think. And he has his own podcast where he just has people call in and tell their spooky stories, you know, around the virtual campfire. And a lot of them would phone in. There was a few stories where one girl said that she was she found this old Ouija board just randomly in her house. And it was quite old or whatever. And then she was using it, playing about with it. And weird shit started to happen. Like her wardrobe started shaking for no reason and things like that. So she freaked out and decided, right, I'm just going to get rid of it. I think it's evil. So she burnt it. She put it on a fire. And then this is the thing where I'm a bit sceptical, right? She said that the next day or next or a couple of days later that she the Ouija board was back on the shelf as if it's never been burnt. Like it's made its way back in the house. Just like the Babadook's book. Yeah, is that what happens with the Babadook? Yeah, because you know. I refuse to watch it because I hate that bratty kid and I really hate him screaming and whining all the time. That's what oh, you should watch it. It's so good. I love it. I've seen it. I went to cinema to see it. I just haven't watched it again because I hate oh. that stupid Wayne. Yeah, is there not? I'm sure that she rips it up and burns it and then. Right. And then she comes home and it's like sitting in the front hall. Yeah, well, it's kind of like that. But see, when people phone up, Jim Harold, I, I sometimes think, are they making these stories up just to get on a show? Or are they genuinely, like, experiences that happen to them? It's the cynical side of me that comes out there. That's how I felt with the Ouija board stuff, though, because mm-hmm. any stories that I've kind of heard about other, like, ghostly tales on other podcasts and on, like, YouTube channels and stuff, 
yeah, I get what you mean. Like, I'm very much like, are people making these up to to have it featured? But I think at least it seems realistic and it's scary. Whereas they were all like, yeah, we looked out the window and saw a shadow. There was a couple where they were like, we looked out the window and there was a black cat in the garden. But again, the tone they say it in is like, and then we looked out the window and there was a black cat in the front garden, which makes it sound scarier. Whereas if you just go like, oh. open the curtains and there was a cat outside. Like, yeah, two cats that come into my garden regularly. Do people think I'm a witch? There was quite a lot of stories that were like, after we'd done the Ouija board for like days or for weeks, like lights would randomly turn themselves on and off. But as I was telling you right before we started recording this, everything in my town turned off for an hour last night. I then started looking at like some other Ouija stories that were just people like, again, talking about what happened when they used the Ouija board, but that I found more believable just because they didn't follow the same narrative. And it kind of brings me back to what I was saying earlier that I think that the Ouija board is what Helen originally said it was. There's just, it basically is just you talking to the, the closest spirit to you at that point in time. So it could be anyone. Like one example would be, which I'm not going to retell because I told it in the first episode, but when we were talking about Ouija boards very briefly in the first episode, and I told you about when I'd done one with my old colleagues and it was like boring as fuck. Yeah. Like, I can't even remember most of his chat because it was so boring. But I think that would tie in with this idea because it might just have been that whoever had died there was relatively boring. <laughs> and then two that I quite liked was there was one a story that I found on, oh, where did I find it? It was another podcast, was uh, Spooked. I think it was on Spooked. It was somebody telling a story about Ouija boards, but basically that their dad had been adopted and he'd never known his birth mum. And they, like the son, was using a Ouija board and the ghost they were talking to, they asked if they knew where the gran lived. And basically the ghost said, yeah, I think, now I can't remember exactly what the name of the street was, so I'm just going to make this up. It was like it said, yeah, I think so. I think she's that woman that lives on like California Street. And then when the dad eventually tracked the gran down, it turned out that she didn't live on California Street, but she lived in California. Which, <laughs> which is not quite the same which is not quite the same but I quite like the idea that it's not prank ghosts, it's like absent minded ghosts where it's like Agnes where I remember somebody said something to me about her she's not on California Street um, so that seems realistic to me and then the other one I really liked was uh, one of the stories I found on YouTube people again talking about uh, what had happened that was like their ghostly experiences of Ouija boards and again most of it was the pesha of like and then I felt static on my skin for the next three hours and things like that but and one then um, floated in the air but one that I really liked was um, a girl telling a story about basically when she'd done like her gap year at uni and she'd went to stay in France and I think she said she was staying in Paris, maybe. Although I might just be saying that because it's the most obvious place to say in France. And basically she'd be like dating a guy from the college there and they'd gone to a party and his friends had got a Ouija board out and they'd asked if any spirits wanted to talk to them and the spirit that they contacted said that she was hot and she thanked it and then it said it liked her underwear and then her, <laughs> the guy she was seeing basically shouted at the ghost to stop being creepy and the ghost said, fuck you, you're a cock. <laughs> See, that's more re- I think that's funny. Like yeah. I think that's funny that it's more real it's more stupid shit like that that's coming out the Ouija board rather than just like um oh I'm a demon from hell or something. It's just some random ghost having a laugh. 
or winding up someone. I think even if somebody's like saying, oh, I'm a demon from hell, it would be like if we were dead and the first person that was pulled on the Ouija board was you, I could imagine you being like, I feel like some days you might be like, hi, my name's Leslie and have a chat with them. And if you weren't in the mood, you'd be like, I'm a demon from hell. I'm going to eat your baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Depends what mood the ghost in that you're talking to. And it must be fucking annoying if you're like going about your ghost day, going to the ghost shops and someone just yeah. like pulls you into the Ouija to answer random questions. Yeah, it's like it's a bit like actors, you know, when they have to go in these press junkets to promote their film and they get asked the same fucking questions over and over again, so they just start to mess with them and make make answers up. Like Robert Patterson does it quite a lot. Yeah. You I mean nonsense and people just print it. And then it must be easier if you're trapped in a Ouija board to talk nonsense because you can just like spell out like yeah. to random letters. And then again, you'll get some weird, like, American girl on the internet going, and then it said, oog, and then la, and then re, and I thought it was a curse. <laughs> You're not the TV, and there was no picture, and I heard a cat hiss outside of the hedges. So, what if you're, what if you're a spirit that's illiterate, and you don't know how to spell good? Yeah, fair <laughs> Like, the majority of ghosts probably don't know how to read and write, because, you know, the majority of people for history don't know how to read and write. And yeah, you're so sucking yeah. those poor helpless ghosts into your board to, to try and make them spell out words to you. It's just rude. No wonder Pratt goes those people through windows. Prank ghost. So, um, yeah, that's that's the Ouija board. That's I really want really to um, get a, a Ouija board out and start trying to speak to people like see what comes through i think we should get together one night and try it i really like that idea we can ask whatever spirit we contact if they know prank ghost yeah do you know what i would like to do i'd like to ask them if they know helen peters because obviously well she's dead so our thoughts are now on ouija boards now that she's dead well, so you get white witches who say they're white witches, and they say that you that the Ouija board is a tool of their witchcraft to uh, communicate with their spiritual guides and stuff. But then, well, maybe if you're not a medium or something, you can't like speak to the dead in your in your head or something or psychically. Then I suppose a Ouija board would be a way of contacting people. Yeah, and I suppose it would make sense because your spirit guide like is always supposed to be with you. So if the idea is again that it pulls in like the nearest spirit to talk to you, well, I guess if you were a white witch, that would be your spirit guide. And the Ouija boards are kind of old fashioned now, so the modern equivalent of a Ouija board would be a spirit box. I don't. Uh, is that? Have you heard old? of that? Have you no, seen I have. So a spirit box is basically it's like a radio, and it it emits like white noise. So it, it sort of, the sound goes on and off. You know, it sounds like a radio, you know, like an old-fashioned rate, like a radio, not before before digital, when it's like, you know, static, white noise. Yeah. You're, changing, you're trying to tune into a channel. And what it does is it, it supposedly, the spirit would use that to manipulate radio waves. You know, wait, how do I put it this way? Like, so you know, you know if you've seen Transformers? Uh-huh. You know in the movie, like, I'm talking about the Michael Bay movies. Bumblebee can't speak because his voice box fucked, so he just uses the radio to mm-hmm. out words and sentences. That's what a spirit box basically is. So you could ask a question and then you'll hear words come through the spirit box, but it's just like words that are from different kind of radio waves. It's I mean, weird though. 
I feel like, yeah, I'd quite like to try one of them as well, but I feel like it wouldn't work as well as a Ouija board, surely, because the ghost would be limited in the words it could pick from to answer you. Although that seems like quite a fun game for, for you and your ghostly friends. I will, you should look up some maybe things on YouTube of people using spirit boxes. I think it's really interesting. Yeah, I've never even heard of them before, but I like the idea. It's like um, EVP, except it's live. You can hear it happening as is. Because you know how, like, me and Debbie, my old friend Debbie, used to mess about with um, dictator phones? Yeah. And we used to just, you know, like, play it, play it, press record and just ask random questions. And then we would play it back and we actually did, like, pick up weird voices and sentences and things. And the weirdest, the funniest one was when... Uh, she used her wee sister's, uh, it was like a, I can't remember what it was called, it was like a really girly pink kind of for wee girls, like a sound recorder thing. And it was my birthday and Debbie went to it. It's, it's Leslie's birthday, wish her a happy birthday. And we played it back and we heard a voice say, happy birthday, Leslie. <laughs> oh, I really wanted it to be the angry angry French ghost from my earlier story and for it to say fuck. And also, like, uh, because Debbie's wee sister is that, like, she loves dancing, and that's what she kind of does. What she does, like, um, choreographed sort of aerobics now. But back then, when she was like 12 or 13, when she had this thing, and we said, Oh, she was dancing out in the garden, we're like, Oh, do you like Laura's dancing? And we played played it back, and we heard a voice say, Loved dancing. And it was like, what the hell is this? I, I do quite want to try this. It sounds really cool. It sounded Remember, like- I think we mentioned this before on the podcast, but um, when we used to get like the weird electronic ghost on the phone as well. Yeah, but I don't know if that was a cross line or it was some sort of like a, like a spirit box, like they were using the electronic waves to, to talk down the phone to us. I would like to assume that it was a ghost that wanted to talk to us. Well, I can't really remember the conversation, but I think there was something about there was something about a car crash or an accident, was there not? I can't really it? remember now either. So no, but it was weird, and it only happened for a while, and then it just sort of went away. But this is yeah. the day, or like before, we would like use our, we wouldn't really phone each other on mobiles. We use our landlines all the time. I guess it was cheaper because you're not using up all your credit if you had I like. A, think, I don't think I even got a mobile until we were maybe like about to go into S5. And even then, yeah, I think only sent messages on it. I would still have obviously phoned you on the house phone. Oh man, I got my first mobile in like 1998. Like the very, one of the very first ones, the BT Cellnet ones. Would that, would we not have been in? No, I S4. was in, uh, no, I was, I, I, no, I was in first or second year, yeah. You said S5. Yeah, no, like I, I don't think I got a phone until like near the end of S4. Oh, well. <laughs> well, you know I don't like all this modern technology. What was your first phone? Uh, the, like, Nokia brick phone. Mine was a Philips BT Cellnet one, and it was a fucking brick. And it had an antenna and everything. I, I vaguely remember that. I feel like you're um, you're so fancy. I feel like just you and businessmen had them. Like... <laughs> <laughs> no, but I would have had that same phone, because I don't think I changed my phone until... Yeah, I must have been about 17 or something because it was when I, I got any crystals um, underage. I was just underage and one of your pals got me, an older pal, um, said, I'll get you in hand. 
<laughs> I just had to pretend to be his girlfriend. And, uh, and I remember some guy looked at my phone and went, check the fucking brick of that phone. And I was like, right, that's it. I'm going to, so I decided to go to the nearest phone shop uh, like a couple of days later and get the smallest phone I could find, which was like a Nokia, the classic Nokia, Nokia what is it, 8210 or something? I can't remember. One everyone says indestructible. Because back then, if you had the smallest phone, you were like, that was a fashionable thing to have. You were cool. Like, the smaller, the better. And yeah, like, now it has to be like those are massive. the size of a house. Yeah. Not that old. <laughs> cool nowadays, but... Yeah, I don't give a shit about really being cool. I'm too old for that. So, I'm going to talk about um, the Dubbock box. I'm it's excited about... to talk about this, because I don't really know anything about it. I'm surprised. I thought you would. So... It's spelled D-Y-double-B-U-K, and I said last time that it was a Middle Eastern thing, but actually it's not really, unless you count maybe Israel or I don't know where the Jews originated, Palestine, or is that a (laughs) Where did the, Mark, you said that. Israel, yeah, Israel, and then they were taken out to Babylon, and then they were taken to Egypt and then they eventually returned to Israel. I think that's right. Israel, yeah. But is that Middle East? Where we're getting yeah, Israel. It's the Middle East, isn't it? Yeah, when I think of the Middle East, I think of like Saudi Arabia and things like that. But um, yeah, anyway, I'm digressing. So it's actually a Jewish myth. Uh, it's something in Jewish mythology. It's a malicious, possessing spirit believed to be the dislocated soul of a dead person. It supposedly leaves the host body once it's accomplished its goals, sometimes after being helped. So what they're saying is it possesses people. I don't know what they mean by a dislocated soul of a dead person, because surely if you're dead, then your soul disconnects anyway. Yeah, it's not going to still be. Dislocates. Well, you wouldn't want it to still be in your body, would you? Because that would be bleak. So the term first appeared in a number of 16th century writings, but it was ignored by mainstream scholarship until a guy called S. Ansky did a play called Dybbuk, which popularised the concept in literary circles. Earlier accounts of possession were of demonic possession rather than by ghosts. But I like to think of the ghosts are just like, you know, like Sam Wheat is possessing Whoopi Goldberg to try and get his wife one last time. Yeah, that's sort of a Dybbuk thing. But they do say they're malicious. Um, so, like, basically the reason that I knew about Dybbuk boxes was because there was a famous one that someone claimed that they were selling it on eBay because he had got it from, uh, was it like a house clearance or something? It's on bloodydisgusting.com. That is where I found this story. So it does look weird, though, this box. It's like, it's quite large. It's got a wee drawer at the bottom and then two doors at the front. And on the doors is like a, a relief panel, like a wooden sculpture of some grapes, like a bunch of grapes. It's quite, uh, yeah, it's quite old looking. And the story of the box begins in 2003 when a seen, seemingly innocent item popped up on eBay. And it was posted by a guy called Kevin Manis. That's the guy that I remember seeing and it said and the item in question was simply a wooden wine box and it, he opened it and what he found was a couple of pennies the old pennies spooky candlestick holders 
Oh yeah, I remember this now. So one of them had... Cookie candlestick holders just made me think of like pound shop candlestick holders in the shape of like a pumpkin or a ghost. Well, you're not far off because one of them had, um, the, the base was like an octopus. Ooh. Which I find weird. So <laughs> it was like, uh, that's why you say in spooky candlesticks orders, because one of them was just like kind of fairly like standard, and then the other one is sort of black looking, and then the bottom it turns into like a sculpture of an octopus, and then also the granite um, statue inscribed with the word shalom, which actually means peace. No. But it wasn't the old fashioned wine box and trinkets that have been the interested potential buyers because Manus included a convincing story along with the item description chronicling a series of horrific events that supposedly began during the Holocaust. So Manus purchased a box from the granddaughter, so it wasn't the daughter, it was a granddaughter of its original owner at an estate sale back in 2001. He owned a small furniture refinishing shop at the time and he wanted to find something he could work on later to give to his mother as a gift. So the box had belonged to a Holocaust survivor who acquired it after escaping to Spain. And then she later brought it with her when she emigrated to the United States. So she found, <coughs> she acquired this box in Spain. I don't know where she got it from or anything. The granddaughter supposedly claimed that her grandmother was adamant about keeping the box locked, insisting that it contained a book. Hmm. So <coughs> Manus wasn't aware of this at the time. <coughs> he didn't know what a dubuk meant. Um, and it comes from the, the word dubuk comes from the word to cling because it's like a possessive ghost apparently and in Jewish folklore it usually refers to an unclean spirit that torments victims until it's removed by a traditional exorcism ritual so, so I think that you know like maybe sometimes these, these ghosts are quite bad and don't want to leave the possessed body and some of them are just want to borrow it for some reason you know, for to maybe try and do some unfinished business, complete yeah. unfinished business or something like that. So after he purchased the box and he relocated it to his shop, the horror supposedly began. An employee of his claimed to hear light bulbs breaking and otherworldly screaming coming from the basement where the box was stored. Manis would later recall the foul stench of cat urine permeating the area despite him not owning any feelings. I mean, That's only the beginning. <laughs> I was going to say, that doesn't stop them pissing places, just because you don't own them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The otherworldly screaming, however, is probably quite unnerving. Yeah, and immediately after receiving the box, his mother, who he was going to give it to as a gift, suffered a tragic stroke. This would mark the beginning of an odyssey of re-gifting the cursed box to friends and relatives, <laughs> all of whom found it impossible to keep the mysterious item for more than a few weeks, and they would eventually return it back to him. So I think other people who actually like, he tried to give it to also said that they smelt urine and stuff like that, and weird shit happened with this box. I'm just going to go to the actual story of when he posted this on eBay in his listing. It's just taken away at the upload. It's basically his portion 
it's like a really, really old Yahoo web archive. So it's taken away like a while. I was thinking that it was weird that prior to him selling it, he kept gifting it to friends. But then I was like, actually, if you had that, I'd quite like you to gift it to me. Mostly because I want the octopus candle holder. So. Yeah, but then would you take the candle holder out and then just give the box away to someone else? What if? Like, if weird crap started happening to you, would you really want to keep that box? No, I don't think I'd, if it was really, like, otherworldly screaming, not okay, but I could deal with that for a good candle holder. But, yeah, I suppose if, like, my face started melting or something. <laughs> I'd probably burn the box. I don't think if my face started melting, I'd, like, gift it to you. Well, this is the guy. <laughs> this is from the guy's own words, right? This Manix guy. So he said, right, he said... When he's referring to when he purchased the cabinet and when he was talking to the woman's uh, granddaughter. So she apparently approached him and she said, I see you got the Dubbuk box. She was referring to the wine cabinet. I asked her what a Dubbuk box was. And she told me that when she was growing up, her grandmother always kept the wine cabinet in her sewing room. It was always shut and set in a place that was out of The grandmother always called it the Dubbuk box. When the girl asked her grandmother what was inside, her grandmother spit three times through her fingers and said, a dibbuk or a kesseline. The grandmother went on to tell the girl that the wine cabinet was never, ever to be opened. The granddaughter told me that her grandmother had asked that the box be buried with her. However, as such a request was contrary to the rules of an orthodox Jewish burial, why, I don't know, the grandmother's request had not been honoured. I asked the granddaughter what a dibbuk and kesseline were, but she did not know. I asked if she would like to open it with me. She did not want to open it as her grandmother had been very emphatic and serious when she instructed her not to do so. And regardless of the reason, she wanted to honour her grandmother's request. So he says, I finally ended up offering to let her keep what seemed to me to be a sentimental keepsake. At that point, she was very insistent and said, no, no, you bought it, you take it. <laughs> I explained that I didn't want my money back. And it would make me feel better to do what I thought was an act of kindness. She then became somewhat upset. Looking back now, the way she became upset was just plain odd. She raised her voice to me and she said, you bought it, you made a deal. When I tried to speak, she yelled, we don't want it. She began to cry, asked me to leave and quickly walked away. I wrote the whole episode off to the stress. Ah. She must have been experiencing. I took my purchases and politely left. Do you not think that's a bit odd? Yeah, I don't think, like, if I showed up to buy, I don't know, like, a coffee table, or, <laughs> and, and the person I showed up to buy off of was like, oh, it was actually my grandmother's and looked really upset, and I went, oh, I'd feel bad you keep it, and they went, no, you bloody did it! So I'm screaming, <laughs> and, um, what the fuck? <laughs> you have to take it now. <laughs> So he goes on to say, at the time when I bought the cabinet, I owned a small furniture refining business. I took the cabinet to my store and put it in my basement workshop where I intended to refinish it and give it as a gift to my mother. I didn't think anything more about it. I opened my shop for the day and went to run some errands, leaving a young woman who did sales for me in charge. Now, this this is something that this is his actual eBay like description when he posted it for sale. This is all stuff that he wrote about this item. I mean, it's quite long. <laughs> that's quite, yeah, the eBay sales information. He said, after about half an hour, I got a call on my cell phone. The call was from my salesperson. 
She was absolutely hysterical and screaming that someone was in my workshop breaking glass and swearing. It must be Prank Ghost. That's exactly <laughs> what I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> Furthermore, oh, the intruder had locked the iron security gates and the emergency exit and she couldn't get out. As I told her to call the police, my cell phone battery went dead. I hit speeds of 100 miles an hour getting back to the shop. When I arrived, I found the gates locked. I went inside and found my employee on the floor in the corner of my office, sobbing hysterically. I ran to the basement and went downstairs. At the bottom of the stairs, I was hit by an overpowering, unmistakable odour of cat urine. There'd never been animals kept or found in my shop. So the I feel like I should have left that out of his eBay sales pitch. Like, so far yeah. I'll be up buying it, but I don't want something that reads a cat. <laughs> you've got a cat, so maybe... I know, but he doesn't really piss on things. No. Maybe it was just the woman that pissed herself. Maybe. Right. How does he know? If he's never had any cats about, how does he know what cat urine smells like? Yeah, cat piss is just, like, really concentrated piss. I think you're right. She hadn't drank enough water that day. She <laughs> because she was dehydrated and then she pissed herself. <laughs> he said all of the lights in the basement were broken. All nine incandescent bulbs had been broken in their sockets and ten four-foot fluorescent tubes were lying shattered on the floor. I did not find an intruder. However, I should also add that there was only one entrance to the basement. It would have been impossible for anyone to leave without meeting me head on. Went back up to speak with my salesperson, but she had left. She never returned to work. Probably embarrassed because I haven't pissed herself at yeah, work. Yeah, because she was listening. I, I mean, <laughs> that, that time I pissed myself at work, I never went back either. <laughs> After having been with me for two years, she refuses to discuss the incident to this day. I never thought of relating the events of that day to having anything to do with the cabinet. And then he says in one sentence, then things got worse. He says... As I already indicated, I had decided to give the cabinet to my mother as a birthday gift. About two weeks after I made the purchase, I decided to get started refinishing it. I was surprised to find that the cabinet has a unique little mechanism. When you open one of the doors, the mechanism causes the opposite door and the little drawer below to open at the same time. It's very well made. Inside the cabinet, I found the following items. One 1928 US wheat penny. One 1925 US wheat penny. One small lock of blonde hair bound with string. One small lock of black slash brown hair bound with string. One small granite statue engraved and gilded with Hebrew letters that spell out Shalom. One dried rosebud, one golden wine cup, and one very strange black cast iron candlestick holder with octopus legs. That's the one I want. I want that. Yeah. I mean, he can keep the collection <laughs> of random hair. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. What's with the hair? Yeah. It's also weird er, because it's two different colours of hair. I feel like it would be like two bound strands of blonde hair. I'd be like, all right. But a bound strand of blonde hair and a bound strand of dark brown hair. Like. I saved all of the items in a box, intending to return them to the estate. The family has refused the items. Oh, as if they'd want them back. She's just so keen to get rid of it. So they will be included in the sealed cabinet. Also, if you'd never opened it, and the person who bought yeah. it in was like, I've opened it, there's clumps of human hair in it. Would you like... <laughs> Obviously, they're going to say no. 
you opened the box, you deal with it. It'd be like if someone bought your sofa and then was like, hi, uh, I was just wanting to let you know, like, I was hoovering down the back of the sofa and it turned out there was a used tissue down there and some boots. <laughs> Do you want me to post them to you? Or... <laughs> and then, like, and mysteriously, they said no. <laughs> Why would they not want their old hair? <laughs> After opening the cabinet, I decided not to refinish it. I cleaned it and rubbed in some lemon oil. It was at this time that I noticed that there was an inscription in Hebrew carved into the back of the cabinet. I have no idea what it says or if it is significant. I have included a picture of that inscription below. On my mother's birthday, October 28, 2001, my mother called to tell me that she was going out of town with my sister for three days and we postponed celebrating her birthday together until she returned. On October 31st, 2001, my mother came to my shop. Hmm, just happens to be Halloween, does it? Yeah. We were, going to, <laughs> we were going to have lunch together, but before we were going to leave, I gave her the wine cabinet. She seemed to like it. While she examined it, I went to make a phone call. I hadn't been out of sight more than five minutes when one of my employees came running into my office saying that something was wrong with my mom. When I went Why back... Why you been thrown out a window? <laughs> yes. No. Yeah. So he said, when I went back to see what the matter was, I found my mom sitting in a chair beside the cabinet. Her face had no expression, but tears were streaming down her cheeks. That sounds like something from Get Out. Yeah. No matter how I tried to get her to respond, she would not. She could not. It turns out that my mother had suffered a stroke. She was taken to the hospital by ambulance, and that ambulance crashed, and a bone went through her heart. No. <laughs> She ended up suffering suffering partial paralysis and losing her ability to speak and form words. She's since regained the ability to speak. She could understand things being said to her and could respond by pointing to letters of the alphabet to spell out the words she wanted to say, like on a Ouija board, I suppose. When I asked her the following day how she was doing, she teared up and spelled out the words N O G I F T. What's that spell, Mark? N-O-G-I-F-T. Yeah. No gift. No gifts? No gifts. <laughs> I assured her that I had given her a gift for her birthday, thinking that she didn't remember. But she also, he thought that she was annoyed because she didn't, he didn't give her a gift. Which would be a very odd thought to have after you gave your mother a gift that nearly killed her. Is she angry because... She thinks he didn't give her a gift. No, it's probably because of the almost killing her, but okay. So she became even more upset and spelled out the, he's saying the words, but I would say spelled out the letters. H-A-T-E-G-I-F-T. What's that say? (laughs) Hate gift. Hate gift. (laughs) I laughed and told her not to worry. (laughs) (laughs) He's the worst son ever. He's so shit. He just laughed. I told her I was sorry she didn't like the cabinet and I would get her anything she wanted if she would promise to get well soon. Well, no pressure then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I'll just make myself really well so I can get a nice gift from my son. (laughs) And you wouldn't trust him not to get you a second possessed gift. He seems so casual and weird about it. 
Bell, don't worry, I've got you a made-up gift. Is this monkey's paw? Yeah, if you don't like the cursed cabinet, how about this lovely monkey's paw? <laughs> <laughs> or this um, mogwai that I got from the strange shop. <laughs> <laughs> Still, I didn't associate anything that had happened with the cabinet itself or anything paranormal. Frankly, I don't think I ever even used the term paranormal until this last month. So he goes, yeah. I'll try to make this short now. I gave the cabinet to my sister. She kept it for a week. So your mum has a stroke and you think, I know what I'll do. I'll just give it to my sister then. Then gave it back. She gave it back after a week. She complained that she couldn't get the doors to stay closed and that they kept coming open. There are no springs in the door mechanism. (laughs) Sorry. I'd I'd like to think that that was what upset the employee and his mum so much. That just the doors kept popping (laughs) up. Oh my god, this guy's fucked up by the way. You'd think he would stop giving this to people knowing that bad things were happening. So he said, I gave it to my brother and his wife who kept it for three days and then gave it back. My brother Smith said it smelled like jasmine flowers while his wife insisted it put out an odour of cat urine. I gave it to my girlfriend who asked me to sell it for her after only two days. I sold it the same day to a nice middle-aged couple. Three days later, when I came to open the shop for the day, I found the cabinet sitting at the front doors with a note that read, this has a bad darkness. I had no idea what that meant. How did she not? Ah, it's, it's a really open message. I can mean <laughs> different things. <laughs> He's like the wee dog that's in the fire, the room of fire, saying, I this is fine. <laughs> so he goes, anyway, I ended up taking it home. Then things got even worse. Since the day I brought it home, I began having strange recurring nightmares. Every time I have the horrible dream, it goes something like this. I find myself walking with a friend, usually someone I know well and trust at that at some point in the dream. I find myself looking into the eyes of the person that I am with. It is then that I realise that there is something different, something evil looking back at me. At that point in my dream, the person I am with changes into what can only be described as the most gruesome, demonic-looking hag that I have ever seen. This hag proceeds then to beat the living tar out of me. I have awakened numerous times to find bruises and marks on myself where I had been hit by the old woman during the previous night. Still, I never related the nightmares to the cabinet, nor do I think... Why would you? Nothing weird had happened to the cabinet up until this point. (laughs) I wouldn't think of any connection either. Just seems like a normal cabinet. But then again, why would you not put all these things together? Because, like, every time you give it to someone, something bad, you literally get a note from someone saying this this box is evil. You have a nightmare and you still don't think it's anything to do with the cabinet. Your mum's heart is stopped and she literally like <laughs> magazines and glues them to your wall saying cabinet stopped heart burn cabinet and he's like I was surprised to find that after I took the cabinet home I had nightmares couldn't imagine why. About a month ago, however, my sister and my brother and his wife came over to my house and spent the night. The following morning during breakfast. My sister complained that she had had a horrible nightmare. 
She said that she recalled having had it a couple of times before and went on to describe my nightmare exactly to the last detail. My brother and his wife froze as he listened and then chimed in that they had both had the exact same dreams during the night as well. The hair was standing up on the back of my neck and still is what to this day. As we talked, <laughs> it became clear that the common denominator was that each of us had had the nightmare during the times that the cabinet was in our respective homes. I'm assuming the next line is going to be so I took the cabinet and moved it into my bedroom and used it as a <laughs> table. I'm shocked to find that unusual things began to happen. <laughs> he said, I called my girlfriend and asked if she could recall having had any nightmares recently. She described the same nightmare, the same hag, everything. When I asked her if she remembered the date when she had the nightmare, she said she did not. Then I asked her if it happened to be the night before she gave me the cabinet back to sell for her. She said, yeah, hey, how did you know that? But then before she asked, she said she couldn't remember. But then yeah. now she can because he just suggested that. Yeah, I think she's just a bit too suggestible. Hmm. So he then says, now then, since my family discussion, it all seems like all hell is breaking loose. For a week afterward, I started seeing what I can only describe as shadow things in my peripheral vision. In fact, numerous visitors to my house have claimed that they have seen these shadow things. I put the cabinet in an outside storage unit and was awakened when the smoke alarm in the unit went off in the middle of the night. When I went to see what was burning, I opened the door and didn't see any smoke. However, I did get hit with the smell of cat urine. <laughs> when I went back inside, the smell was there in my house. And he's put this in like bold and uh, capital letters. I do not own a cat and I never have. <laughs> I really thought you were going to say and I never will. <laughs> Probably. Like he's very bold just because he really hates cats. <laughs> he says, I went outside and grabbed the cabinet. I brought it back inside and tried to research it on the internet. While I was surfing the net, I fell asleep and once again had the same freaking nightmare. <laughs> I woke up at around 4.30 a.m. when it felt and smelled like someone was breathing on my neck <clears throat> to find that my house now smelled like jasmine flowers. And just in time to see huge shadow thing go loping down the hall away from me. So it smells of cat piss and jasmine. Right. Well, I can't remember what jasmine smells like. That's quite nice. Yeah. And it's a huge <laughs> old lady that might be on fire. Maybe. A cat lady. Yeah. And so he said, I would destroy this thing in a second, except I really don't have any understanding of what I may or may not be dealing with. I am afraid, and he put this in brackets, and I do mean afraid, that if I destroy the cabinet, whatever it is that seems to have come with the cabinet may just stay here with me. I've been told that there are people who shop on eBay that understand these kinds of things and specifically look for these kinds of items. If you are one of these people, please, 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 please <laughs> buy this cabinet and do whatever you do with a thing like this. Help me. How much is he selling it for? I don't know. He did sell it. He said, you can see that I have no reserve price or minimum bid. So there you go. If I can make things any easier, let me know and I will do everything within my abilities. 
One more note, on the same day my mom had her stroke, the lease to my store was summarily terminated without cause. <coughs> um, they said all of the items that I originally found inside the cabinet are included in the sale and will be delivered with the cabinet. <coughs> Sorry, I've got a bit of a cough. On June the 12th, 2003, at 2.15, um, I don't know what PDT means, seller added the following information. There is no way that I can respond to all of the emails I've received since I put this thing online. I'll now try to update and answer the most common questions I've been receiving. One, no, I am not religious. (laughs) (laughs) Two, no, I do not wish to or have participated in any sort of exorcism or case study or photo sessions at my home. Three, no, I will not sell any of the individual pieces which... We're yeah. originally found the stick and the black hair, hair, but not the blonde hair. <laughs> Imagine you being like one of those weirdos that's like, well, <laughs> can I have the blonde hair, please? But don't give me the brown hair because I don't <laughs> like brunettes. <laughs> yeah, because I would be one of those arseholes that would ask him, can I have the octopus um, candlestick, please? Can I yeah. just have that? But he said no. Um, he said, for no, I do not speak Hebrew, nor do I know what the word Kesselim means. I don't know what the word is even. I didn't even know that the word is even a Hebrew word. Five, at the end of the auction, I have decided to take an opportunity to speak with the winning bidder for two reasons. A, to make sure that the winning bidder is a serious adult who has employed some valid reasoning skills in making the decision to accept whatever this is. I will not be judgmental. Do whatever you want or need after the sale. B, to I feel like you've got haunted cabinets. That's fine. No judgment. <laughs> he said, <laughs> to offer full details of the events that have transpired, after I have carried out those responsibilities and upon payments, I will have the cabinet and its contents delivered by US Mail, FedEx or UPS to the winning bidder. At that point... I will have no further involvement with the matter in any way, shape, or form, period. (laughs) Six, to all of you who have offered to pray, I may not be religious, but I'm certainly open to the possibilities, no matter what your religion might be. Thank you. On June 14th of March... No, wait, that's not right. Fuck, see American (laughs) Right. On June 14th of March of May, (laughs) and October... It's because they put the, the month first and then the date instead of the date in the month, like a normal person would. That does confuse the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah. So it's the 14th of June, 2003, because I keep seeing 03, I think it's March. The seller added the following information. Here is another update for everyone following this listing. No! Exclamation mark. No, I will not circumvent or make any deals outside of eBay even for more money than the final auction price. If you want to win the auction and have the kind of money some of you are offering, there shouldn't be any reason why you cannot simply place your bid in an open, honest fashion. And I'm sure you can understand why I might be suspicious. Also, for those of you wanting to know if I'm still experiencing anything out of the ordinary, I thought everything was going okay until I got home on Friday. The 13th of June, mm, Friday the 13th, there we go, and found that the fish in my freshwater aquarium, all 10, were dead. I'm still oh. hoping that all of this is coincidental crap. <laughs> God! Poor fish. See, so, yeah, that's where it ends. 
Also, I assume the implication of he knows what's going on with these offers to pay off of um, eBay is that he knows that it's prank ghosts just trying to trick him <laughs> every time. Yeah, we killed all his fish. That's so mean. That's it, but it's the kind of prank that prank ghost loves. <laughs> like, oh, he won't be laughing when he sees I've killed all his fish. Prank ghost. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that, what do you think about that? I know that was quite long, but I thought it was really amusing. And also, it sort of kicked off a whole load of other people selling their own Dybbuk boxes on eBay. And if you look at eBay just now, you can probably find people who claim that objects or paintings, or you can find like loads of people who are trying to sell Dybbuk boxes. Would you buy one and open yes. it? Yes. <laughs> 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 I realised I answered that very quickly. Yeah, I want one. As well, because it has random shit in it, it's a bit like getting a like haunted lucky bag and a lucky <laughs> bag maybe. Like, yeah, I'm really into it. Also, so like funny. lumbering hag with her. I'm imagining like the smell of cat piss and lavender. Is she's a she's a lumbering old hag. I think maybe she's like the Jewish granny that died. Maybe she put her spirit in the box, right? Her stuff's in there. She's a lumbering hag. She loves cats. She wears lavender perfume, but the cats are there. They're pissing everywhere. They're ghost cats. It sounds great. Like, I love old ladies and I love cats and ghosts. Well, I want one. I know what I'm getting you for Christmas then. (laughs) Yay! So this guy, um, oh, right, well, so the follow-up to the story is, right, you asked how much it went for. So it sold to a college student for a mere $140. Bargain. Then there were people offering ridiculous sums of money for it. That's why he was still getting pissed off, because they were like saying, oh, I'll give you 100000 for it or something. And he's like, these people aren't taking this seriously. So mm-hmm. he said less than a year um, <clears throat> in this article, on bloody disgusting.com, it says less than a year later, the new owner relisted the box on eBay <clears throat> after claiming that he was too, he too was being affected by its curse. He would eventually sell it. I think I'm being pranked by the ghost because I can't breathe. He would eventually sell it to a professor and museum director by the name of Jason Haxton, which is when the box achieved true international notoriety. In 2011, Haxton published a book that put the Dybbuk box back in the public consciousness, reviving the original story and adding to it, as he claimed to have also suffered great misfortune during his time with the object. But I wasn't able to track down a complete copy of the book. It appears the author never quite commits to the idea that the box is truly haunted, instead presenting the information to readers and expecting us to make up our own mind. His experience would eventually find its way to Hollywood, serving as a basis for Ollie Bourne Nadal's 2012 film, The Possession, I've never seen that film or heard of it. No, I've never heard of it either. Yeah, I said it's not really that good. So where did it end up? In 2016, a few years after the story hit the big screen, the original box was purchased from Jason Haxton by paranormal investigator Zach Baggins. It's now kept as an attraction in his haunted museum. And this is where I I talked about Post Malone. Yes. (laughs) So Post Malone visited this museum. And he claims to have been cursed by the box in 2018, as he was present during one of Baggins' attempts to open it. Well, the details of the story are a bit sketchy. Regardless, it seems that the box has gone dormant for now, and it won't be put on sale any time soon. The thing with Post Malone is, 
he um, didn't touch the box, but he touched the shoulder of someone who did touch the box, and that was apparently enough to curse him. And then I assume went to bed and woke up the next day with all those shit tattoos, because... <laughs> and that's not a tattoo burn. I like tattoos. His or shit. Kind of, uh, right, just to finish this up, Post Malone's alleged dimmick box curse, right, here we are. I just, he he looks ridiculous. I, I don't even think I've heard any. I think yeah, is it Rockstar that he's done? I think that's one of the songs. I don't, I've heard. <coughs> I, can't, I can't think what it's called or the words. I just kind of want to make like a. Nice. <laughs> I think that's one of his. Yeah, well, he's cursed now, because apparently he had a string of bad luck that he's had in 2018. So it says. In June, the Congratulations singer, so I guess that's one of his shits. Well, he covered the Cliff Richard song. <laughs> oh my God, imagine if he did. That would be amazing. He's got a whole album of covers from Cliff Richard. <laughs> <laughs> Devil Woman by Post Malone. <laughs> I'd listen to that. <laughs> He went on Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures when he was near what host Zach Baggins called the Dibbit Box, thus apparently um, releasing a curse. The curse may be the reason people believe why Malone's plane's tyres blew out, why his Rolls Royce was in a car accident, and why his former house was robbed. Sorry, I like the sentence, why (laughs) Rolls Royce was in a car accident, because it implies his Rolls Royce was driving a car and lost control. (laughs) (laughs) visiting the haunted museum again <clears throat> but if he's hoping to reverse the curse by touching the box well that's not how any of this works <clears throat> and then they're talking about that books um supposedly being like the, the ghost of a person who died that still needs to atone for a sin you know like unfinished business and they sometimes possess people Although they're saying that there was no such thing as a dibbuk box in Jewish folklore. So the dibbuk is in Jewish folklore as, a, as a, the possessive ghost. But the box that keeps them locked up isn't mentioned. And the first one... Guy, like, made it up. Yeah, but the, the first one that, um, like I say, was that guy that posted it on eBay, <laughs> Kevin mm. Manis. He's the one that started the dibbuk box thing. Or technically it would be like if he made that story up, but then if it was real, it would be like that with grandmother. Yeah. Did she, sure, I mean, yeah. What, why would she acquire that? Like, see when she, how did she know there was a dibbuk in it, right? Because she went to Spain after the Holocaust to disparate it. <clears throat> I wonder if something happened in Auschwitz where, <clears throat> like, a spirit of, this sounds horrible, but, like, one of the Jews that was burned or killed or whoever died in there. Imagine there was, well, there would have been a lot of people dead in there nearby. Yeah. <clears throat> somehow attached itself to her and then when she went to Spain and bought the wine box she maybe put stuff in it to trap this thing inside so Ma- it could... yeah that I guess makes sense yeah but how she does it I don't know or how it's done I'm not sure <clears throat> but there's loads of debit boxes with like price like on eBay so yeah maybe we should buy one i'll buy you one for christmas like i say Thank you the, the ghost lucky box lucky bag it's everything that i, I want like 
Yeah, well, within reason, I'm not buying a ridiculous price for one. <laughs> oh, no, like, buy me one that's like, you know, 10 quid. Like, okay. I don't need a top of the range debit box, just just a wee one right. to keep ticking over. Yeah, if anyone wants to send us a debit box, well, tough shit, because you don't have our address. So. <laughs> <laughs> don't be starting sending us haunted dolls and paintings and stuff, because it's not happening. Yeah, well, that's that then. Ouija boards and debit boxes. Both wonderful, wonderful things. Debit box was quite long, but my debit box story was quite long, but I quite enjoy talking about it. I mean, yeah, it's like a really good story. I think it's fine. Like. So what is our second episode going to be about? Um, I forgot that it was my turn to pick until now, and I've not really thought about it. But because we were talking about cats earlier, and then obviously the debit ghost lady has a cat, so now all I can think about is cats. So as in saying a topic as I feel like this is, I'm going to be really random. I'd like us to do um, myths and mysteries about cats. Yeah, I think that would be great. Yeah. A documentary recently about um, sort of history of cats and how their myths and legends have sort of changed over the years from being worshipped to then being feared and then being worshipped again. So be very interesting. Uh, I think that was quite a, a good episode to start season three off of. And um, yeah, check out Abbott Boxes on eBay and have a go at the Ouija board. Indeed. So <laughs> you can contact any boring ghost yourself, or maybe one will tell you to fuck off. Or if you're really lucky, maybe we'll meet Prank Ghost and he'll kill you. Yeah. <laughs> Do let us know how you get on on our Facebook page at Crystal Myth. So, um, um, my ghost is choking Leslie. I'm being choked. I'm dead. <laughs> well, Leslie slowly dies. I'm going to say goodbyes. That could be a lovely sign off to a show if you choked every time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Love you. <laughs> Chris, so, mess.